Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership, and let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode, we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. Sometimes when we're in the green room or when we start the recording, we're talking about some dad jokes and some silly stuff, and we never really described when it is a joke becomes a dad joke. It's when it becomes a parent. It'll end. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. You always make me think, Sam. Hey, do you know, what do you call... Sometimes he's a thinker and sometimes he's a stinker. What do you call a well-balanced horse? No, what? What do you call Stable. It? Stable. <laughs> Why'd the bicycle fall over? Oh. It was Why? too tired. Too tired. Yeah. <laughs> too tired. Man, All right, friends, podcast. we are I'm glad back this podcast because... is not about jokes. Yeah, we've got this awesome podcast that is not comedic podcast. Thank goodness. We'd be a platform in a hot minute. So here we are talking about leadership and good stuff. And we've done this now for over 80 episodes. And by this point, you've got a good idea of who we are, but we're going to take a deeper dive and learn a little bit more about each of us. And at this point, the only person we haven't interviewed is our good friend, Jeff Conroy. So Jeff, you are the spotlight, that hot seat. You are the focus today. Yeah. And to kick things off, would you please share with us a little bit about your business and how you got started? What was your transition from quote unquote normal life into what you're doing in your coaching life? Two things. First, one, I've got a heck of a cold going on. So I'm sure glad we're doing this now. <laughs> you have a chuck bucket nearby. I've got a chuck. I don't have to do that. I just sound prepared. a little raspy. And second of all, I'm not a big fan of talking about myself. I'll joke. I Could will. me. I know I'll tell little <laughs> stories here and there, but when I have to get into other stuff, yeah, I'd get, sure. we'll do this. We'll do this. And uh, because you all did it and I want to be as cool as you guys, what did I do to transition or what caused me to transition? Is that what your question? I'd say both. Yes. Okay. So we all come from different backgrounds. I come from a nonprofit background. I worked in a nonprofit world for 30 years, 31 years, working for different sizes of nonprofits from a one and a half person nonprofit to 103 employee nonprofit. But I always felt the longer that you are in an, in a vocation, there's that word again, work, working longer in a vocation, you have a duty to work with other people. And I always was drawn to working with smaller organizations or other organizations because I had experience in fundraising board recruitment, board training, board development, all sorts of different areas in the business world that smaller nonprofits and for-profits didn't know. So I would always was drawn to working with them to, to help them through that. And I found joy in it. And I did it pro bono. I did it for free because I, I always felt it was my duty. I'd work with really small organizations and I'd hold a, a staff retreat or I would help them with a strategic plan, that type of stuff. Then a time came in 2018, 2019, where my wife and I were in, in the hot tub having one of our family business meetings. And, <laughs> and I had an opportunity. I had an opportunity to work with an organization and it was a big deal. 
and it was going to take a whole lot of time with the, of what they wanted me to do. And I said, this was always the plan. The plan was to leave the nonprofit world someday and then go work for myself. And I want to go give this a whirl. And so in March of 19, I started working for myself. I was doing great, having a lot of fun, got to work with great organizations like Habitat for Humanity in Anderson, Indiana, where Myra is the board president. And, and then COVID hit and life didn't go as well. But uh, it, I will proudly say that it's coming back. I have a handful of clients I get to work with. Sam said something during his interview, which he's in for the long walk. I like that. I like that a lot. I like to understand what is going on. I like to understand what's lying underneath their issues. They can just say, hey, I've got a board that's not doing what they want, what I want them to do. But there's usually more to it than that. And spending a lot of time and I like doing a lot of prep work beforehand and getting to know the players before I actually go in and do the work. Long story short, that's how I came to be to go from nonprofit to, to become a coach. And I love it. I love meeting the people. I always joke and say, I should have been an anthropology major because people are interesting to me. People are fascinating. And a couple of times during that description, you use the word duty to describe your commitment to others and serving others. Do you have a sense of where that comes from and how it's been developed over time? I grew up, I talk about growing up in Eastern Oregon and my parents were always civic minded. My dad was part of the Main Street Cowboys. My dad was part of the Lions Club, the Elks Club, doing fundraisers. My mom would always march a dime. She was president of a sorority in Pendleton. I remember going door to door, March of Dimes. You guys all remember the little cardboard houses when you go door to door and they put coins in, your, in the little houses. I remember doing that. I just always remember that civic mindedness. So going into the nonprofit world wasn't a huge surprise. Now, the, what got me there was a total surprise. Uh, uh, loved music. Like Myra, loved music. I went to college. I have a, my undergrads of music ed. I'm a music teacher. Played trumpet. Didn't know I could sing until I got to college. I've sung in weddings. I sang in choirs. I went to Hawaii for a singing competition. That type of fun stuff. But I met my, my, my best friend and wife in college. And while we were in college, she lost her father. And she wanted mm -hmm. to move back to Beaverton, Oregon. So when I graduated college, we moved to Beaverton, Oregon. And there weren't a whole lot of teaching jobs in Beaverton, Oregon especially for entry-level teachers. So I, I was a kitchen manager at Bebop USA. Bebop USA was a 50s and 60s nightclub where the waitresses were in cheerleading outfits and they sang and they, or they danced. I did that for a couple of years. And then a friend of mine said, have you ever thought about working for the Boy Scouts? And I said, no. And that's where I started my journey working for the Boy Scouts. And that's started my whole nonprofit career going there. But it, it wasn't uncomfortable for me to go to the nonprofit world, working with people, making a difference in people's lives. To me, it was always a duty. It was maybe I'm the oldest child of my four siblings or three siblings, three siblings. I didn't forget one. It's just one of those. I enjoy working with people and making lives better, Very making cool. a difference, making a difference. And that's what I loved about working with the homeless population in this community, making a huge difference. What was amazing to me is when you hear the word homeless, you, a lot of people are really put off by it, but if they really truly understood that 95% of the homeless don't want to be homeless, it's quite eye-opening. Anyway, making an impact, making a change, helping people. What's one example situation where you resolved whatever the situation was and you knew that you made a, maybe even a life-changing impact on somebody? Yeah. Okay. One of the things I did is I created a program called the Help Center. I wanted to create a one-stop shop. I wanted to create a one-stop shop of a multiple services under one roof where people could come in and get 
a bag of food, find a job, talk to the VA, get housing, help with daycare, all under one roof. And I'll never forget, we had, I actually have two incidences, where a young family came in, husband and wife and two small children. The small children had a little blonde mohawks, who were really cute kids. And he was a vet, and the VA was there, and they were able to get him VA services. He was able to get housing. He walked out with a bag of food, and he had walked out with a $25 gift card for gas. So he knew that was a major step. Another one was when I worked for the Boy Scouts, one of the things that we did at camp is I worked at an inner city camp in Portland, Oregon, and at Scouters Mountain. And one of the things we did is we worked with Portland Parks and Rec, and we wanted to bring inner city kids in. You're talking 1989, 1990, bring inner city kids in to have a weekend experience at camp. And these are kids that don't know anything about camping. And I'll never forget where we were in the mess hall and we were having breakfast. And this one kid looked at me and he goes, how much can I have? I said, man, you can have all you want. He says, I can really have all I want. And I go, yeah, have all you want. We had pancakes and bacon and cereal and PB and J. And he goes, my mom never lets us have this much. And you just know that for that moment in time, that kid's having an experience. That he's right. going to go back. He's going to go back and talk about. So those are the two that really stand out. To me. Just a quick commentary on that. It's not about the societal bills that you're helping to fix. It's about you. And I want everybody who's taken the time to listen to this to appreciate the range of experiences you've had and how you bring that to the table. And it's not just nonprofit Jeff. It's not just the restaurant manager. It's this whole array of things that, which is why we do this episode. We wouldn't know that you'd done these things without being able to take a little bit and uh, see the side of you. So you take that and throw it completely away. What's one of your favorite mistakes? See, I've got three kids. Kids mm. paid for college. You're wiring that hot tub in the back yeah. of the backyard. Yeah, that didn't work out too well for me. <laughs> one of my favorite mistakes that's a great question. I, I don't know if I view them all as mistakes. If it turned out great, then that's, I don't view that as a mistake. Yeah, I really would have to think about that one. I don't, I'm not trying to blow you off. I just, that's a great question. So I tweak it and say, what's a time you learned a lesson that was, that really changed your trajectory of what you were doing? Uh, okay. That one I can answer. <laughs> Does it involve coffee? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Albert, learning Albert, opportunity. That is a learning <laughs> opportunity. So I believe that you lead the way you were led. And my parents owned two restaurants in Pendleton. So I grew up in a restaurant environment and I watched my dad. My dad was, he was the leader. He owned them. I would lead the way he led. And then when I started working for the Boy Scouts and I got transferred from Portland, Oregon to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And I ran a small office and I started, it was my first leadership experience of actually getting to lead people. And when I, when people would not respond appropriately, I had a temper and I'm really embarrassed about it. And you bring up the coffee cups. I used to throw coffee cups and I'm not proud of it. And it's very embarrassing, but I think people need to learn from it that it doesn't do anything. And I used to do fun things like create games to attain goals. And I try to get everybody involved and have fun. And I'm all about having fun, but I always 
started figuring out that I'm doing working my butt off and trying to create all this stuff, but no one's following me. So you're on a, you're on a long, lonely journey. And the life changing moment for me was reading the Dalai Lama's The Art of Happiness at Work. And where he talks about a job, a career and a calling. And a job is what most people start out with. A career is what most people have is they go to work and they make friends and they get recognition and they get pay increases. And then there's a calling and a calling is something you would do for free if you could. And that was really life altering for me. So the Buddhist aha moment for me was getting my master's degree in organizational leadership from Gonzaga and best two years I ever put in eye-opening and best revelations of my life that I still use to this day and read Martin Luther King and the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu and all those. It was fantastic. And looking at things through different lenses and different filters, which was fantastic. So much so that I even got accepted in, into the doctorate program and got halfway through my doctorate. And then at $600 a credit, I got a little expensive. So I'm still eight. But it, to me, it's when you're learning systems, organizational systems from a Boeing engineer, talk about outside the box. I didn't know there was, yeah, everyone hears about the vicious circle, but the, I didn't know there was such thing as a virtuous circle. I didn't know that was fascinating. I love that. There's, oh yeah, I, there's nomenclature for everything. See, that's the source toilet paper. <clears throat> nomenclature for everything. And there's some great stuff out there. There's some. I learned some amazing things from amazing people during that program. Right. So that, nice. that's where you became, a, that's where I became a servant leader, which was leading people who don't know they're being led. I don't micromanage. I, I want people to reach their full potential. You hire them for a reason. Let them do it. Lay out the expectations, lay out, lay out the deadline, lay out the, um, the plan and let them proceed. And what? I was a hell of a lot more successful doing that. And a lot people were a lot more happy than being a coffee cup thrown asshole. Jeff, you mentioned some good things there, that learning process and the eye-opening and the virtuous circle and that kind of stuff that, that was through your leadership training. I also, for people that obviously can't see our podcast, you happen to have a lot of Disney memorabilia. Uh, and I know that you have an affinity for Disney, not just for mm -hmm. leadership qualities and characteristics, but with Lee and, uh, but also with the experiences that people can have and how that experience helps people. So could you tell us, I know it's totally not secular question here, but what is one of your favorite rides at Disneyland? Favorite ride in Disneyland is Space Mountain. I was never a big roller coaster guy because I was always afraid, but I trust Disneyland's track record. But when you walk across the bricks to California Adventure, it's the Incredicoaster. That's my favorite. But yeah, I do have an the affinity. Coaster. I do have an affinity for Disney. And it's not so much because of the parks. The parks are a big part of it. <laughs> but the other part of it is, I, and the reason I become friends with Lee Cockrell is I was, I've always been fascinated with how does one person get 75,000 people to move in the same direction? I can't get my three kids to clean their rooms. How do I get 75, 75,000 people to, to, to operate a park? It's fascinating. The whole leadership, Disney leadership philosophy is fascinating. Yeah. So Conroy, right. since you're hooked in with Disney, we can all go ride that roller coaster together. I would love that. That'd be fun. Dude, that would be, that'd be fun to do a live podcast from the park. Oh, there you go. From the coaster. From the coaster. I I'm bet there's no the snow coaster. there like there is here. It'd be a one minute <laughs> podcast. But yeah, but yeah the, there's no snow there. There's no snow. So your experience a lot in the nonprofit world and you and I, at most times, in fact, I think on probably previous episodes, we've described ourselves as brothers from a different mother. 
Definitely. And in fact, I was talking you up to a colleague of mine the other day and said, your name is Jeff Conroy. And he said, was he like a battleship commander or something? That's just a really strong (laughs) Commander Conroy kind of name. But you went from this really aggressive kind of style, like you were just talking about, to to the more servant thing. And it started off by reading that, that book from the Dalai Lama. What do you think impressed you to move in a different direction from the, what caused you to change? I wasn't being authentic to myself. That wasn't my personality. Mm-hmm. My personality wasn't a type A personality. I'm, uh, if you're familiar with the disc, disc assessment, I'm more, I'm a high I. I'm a people. I love relationships. I don't like people mad at me. I like to work together to, to create something where high Ds are type A's are the do it now type people. I'm more of a, let's work together. I think that's more of my authentic self. Also, I didn't have any other leadership experience to play off of other than watching my father. Love my dad. Great guy. But he was my only real example. It's when I started reading the Stephen Covey, Zig Ziglar's, John Maxwell's of the world, and then expanding into the Dalai Lama's, Martin Luther King's, Desmond Tutu's of the world. Just difference. And I relate more to the building relation, compassion, let's work together philosophy than the, here's a hammer, you're a nail, let's get this damn thing done. <laughs> so yeah. who's, so who then I, and I agree with that approach totally. That's part why maybe you and I are brothers, but so who's your ideal client? Who do you like helping the most? Oh, the client I love is I'd love sitting down. I always say, let's go have a cup of coffee because You never talk sports, you never talk religion, you never talk politics. Those divide people. Food unites people. So let's go have a cup of coffee. So we always have a cup of coffee and we just sit and talk and say, tell me about what's going on. And I really, to me, the ideal client is someone who wants better, wants more. And just a tweaking here, a tweaking there. I want to build that relationship. So when we're done working together, we're still friends. We're still, and you're going to go out and you're going to, you're going to say nice things about me, I hope. But to me, that ideal client is that person that is, in a, is willing to walk that journey together and, and is open enough. I know I've had clients who they're looking for that magic pill and, okay, I've had two meetings. We got this. And I'm like, yeah, you really don't. <laughs> but I think we've all had clients like that. But it's those clients that are in it for the long haul and are willing to listen and to build that relationship. Yeah, that's good stuff. Just, I know that you are a movie lover. You're uh, always talking about all you, and the things, cool things you put up on Facebook. But what is the best movie ever? For me? In your now, opinion. Okay, in well, opinion. see, the problem is I have a son who's in the film world. And, right. And, he, and he's always inundating me with, you got to watch this movie and this movie. There are so many amazing movies, and my wife and I really like, like to watch all the Oscar-nominated movies. So when the movies come out, it's, you can play along. You can watch the Oscars and go, oh, I didn't think that that one, that lead actress was better than that lead actress. I watched Coda last year and Coda was a phenomenal movie. And then there's a movie called Parasite, which is a phenomenal movie. But I go back to one of my favorite movies of all time for me is Rocky. And I saw it as a 12 year old kid. I thought it was a phenomenal movie. It's real basic. It's someone who wants to be more than he is. And it's something that I think we can all relate to. So we've had the opportunity. The the Godfather's great. Godfather's great. Oh, yeah. Indiana Jones and Star Trek. (laughs) 
Okay, narrow. You narrowed it down, Rocky. Yeah, Rocky. Yeah, Rocky's Rocky's my favorite all time movie. Yeah, I will always watch it if it's on. Okay, oh, what's your nice. favorite Christmas movie since it's in, in that time of the year? Oh, okay, favorite Christmas movie. Serious to God, hand to God. It was a movie that uh, my son told us about, and we're like, "Oh, his, you know, I love my son," but it's here's another movie. It's a movie called Klaus, K L A U S. Seen that. And it actually, because it wasn't a Pixar, it wasn't a Disney, it lost for the Oscar. But it is a phenomenal movie. It is a, for me, it's a must see every holiday season. And it's a must spread the word about Klaus, K-L-A-U-S. And it's a fun story about a Santa figure. It's great. Just a great movie. Great music. Great music. So, Jeff, thank you for sharing some of your background and insights and a little bit more about who you are. and. We are multitudes, yes. So how can people get a hold of you specifically to learn more about you and what you do and um, have that conversation? You bet. So like I said, in 2019, I started Conroy Leadership Consulting, and you can always visit my website at www.conroyleadershipconsulting.com. Yes. No, conroyleadershipconsulting.com. <laughs> I'm on Facebook. Uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. And just reach out. Direct message me, and I am always guaranteed to respond almost immediately. And the reason I do that is my friend and mentor, Cockrell, in his book, Creating Magic, he puts his cell phone number. He's got a cell phone number in that book, and people call him. He says, people will call just to see if I'll pick up. And they're shocked when I pick up. So I I always thought that was funny. So I love that. So on all my social media and everything, I always have my phone number on there because I want people to call me. So please get a hold of Conroy and the methods he described, LinkedIn, call his cell phone. He'll get that call for you. And if you have a general question for No More Leadership BS, you can email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. You know this, you're a longtime listener. We appreciate you following this journey along. And I'm signing up for us and for all of us together on the count of three, where I say, bye. We ready? And one, two, three. Bye. 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 We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS Podcast. If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. That's askus at leadershipbs.co. If we use your email questions or comments, you will win a DISC behavioral assessment and debrief with one of our highly trained podcast teammates. And last but not least, don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much, and tune in next time. We'll see you then.